Welcome to the Nestle Podcast. I'm your host, kind of, Kevin Morosky. As part of the launch for Lush's Afro Hair Care range, we've asked clients, hairdressers, uh, best friends, sisters, and cousins to talk to us about the beauty and bonds found in Afro-textured hair and caring for it. But mostly just to have a good talk about life and their relationships as we listen in and smile contently. So please sit back and enjoy. My experience of um, barbershops, yeah, it's it's multifaceted in good and bad ways. I think in some ways it was like, it's definitely a safe space and it's a space for uh, black men to safely coexist mm-hmm. uh, from outside pressures. Equally though, within that space, there is a lot of doubt, mm. all of which come from the society that we live in. Uh, and by my hair, you can tell, I obviously haven't been to uh, a, a barber's in a minute, but when I used to go um, as a child, yeah, it was just mad stressful, um, mad, mad stressful, and mad empathetic as well. Um, mm. Empathy is probably one of my superpowers. So if I walk into a room, and everybody in that room is on different scales, like my head is torn apart. And that's what I always felt in the barbershop, super stressed, because I felt all of the pressures uh, that these men were feeling outside of the barbershop, but also trying to fit in and keep up the bravado um, within that space. Yeah. Mm. How about you? Um... So I've got an interesting relationship with a barbershop too. I think just, I think similarly to you, have not having what one would like deem the archetypal um, disposition of a black male or, or reflect what, you know, whether society or our own culture, what we've reflected as black masculinity, not necessarily conforming to those tropes, I found myself in weird situations in the barbershop too, you know? you got one level of stress because you're like, ah, oh, I'm in a barbershop with this uncle from Nigeria and Nigerians can't trim. And I'm talking about my own people here, yeah? So I'm coming from my own people. Niger man can't trim. Like my, you know, my Jamaican, my Jamaican barber is sick, but you don't know if he's going to be at the barbershop when you turn up. And if you, if you get there, you're waiting four hours for him. So you've got that one stress. Then you've got the stress of the conversations that arise in the barbershop. And, you know, 50, I'd say 60 to 75% of the time, I disagree with what is the general consensus of the conversation going on. And I think in, and I think a lot of my peers, black or otherwise, would disagree. And it's it's really interesting to think about whether the opinions being shared are reflective of what our black men actually think about these circumstances, situations, whatever it might be. Or it's peer pressure and intimidation and an expectation to 
present yourself as having certain opinions because I'm sitting there myself going well I'm not sharing my opinions on whether it be sexuality or whether it be on which manager should be managing what team or what what players playing the best ball this season you know um and when you do hear you know some some guy speak up who has an alternative um opinion that's I, I've always seen it as brave in the barbershop because you're you're like you you could get chopped down real quick and you know I think that's one of the things that is is interesting about the dynamic in a barbershop it, it's you know it's not it's not necessarily an open forum like it's an opportunity for men to discuss all sorts of topics and it's beautiful in that sense and it's an important place for us to be um but it's not necessarily as inclusive and open-minded, which is, I guess, reflective of our community at times as well. I think, you know, that that dynamic is shifting, but it is reflective of how a lot of the men in our community think. I wanted to open a barbershop when I was younger. Um, like, and I still do. I've wanted to do so for a long time. And a lot of it is around having the opportunity to have a place where men can share i wanted to create a forum using the barbershop i wanted to create a place that was reflective of my experiences and how much i love the, the black barbershop and expand that take it to a place where conversations could be expanded all sorts of opinions and thoughts were accepted and welcomed um and you could get a dope fade whilst you're having that conversation too you know what's really mad? I've always wanted to open up a barbershop. Oh, yeah, come true. All right, listen, business like, plan, come. <laughs> listen, I've always wanted to open up a barbershop for all of those reasons, uh, especially for, like, my trans brothers. Mm. I, like, I really wanted, like, a safe space. Uh, and I love the idea of actual real community in a barbershop where deals and and um connections are being made to be like oh bruv i do this you know i could help you with that da 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 mm -hmm. and also just a space for like therapy and to openly talk about things um and for it to be a real safe space to show to show our people what this is an idea of a safe space but what a real safe space could look like i also Absolutely. really wanted to open one open some even to open them just in central London because it just it just used to piss me off that you had to go to Mukuland like Bro, to buy uh, a barbershop. It's just like it didn't make sense. And it's just like, why though? That pissed me off. And I also wanted to open one just so I could stop people uh cutting half a head and then going to get a pay. Or, or or just belling up baby mama in the middle. Yeah, literally <laughs> just like hello, la la la, and just wandering off outside. And it's like oh. you you can hear you could hear baby mum on the phone going, Have you picked our you up? And my barbers are ah, oh, listen, listen, my G, my G, I, I'm gonna be back in 20 minutes, yeah? 20 minutes. More time, like you said, I've got half a trim. And my barber's just bopped out to pick his you up from school because he'd forgotten. Nah, it's mad. So yeah, exactly those things. All right, we'll have to take this offline because- We really um, do. Um, it's, time. it's time. But I hear time. you. I, it's it's an odd one because 
with that being said, in those spaces, there were moments that um, were glorious and there were moments that did shape me in positive ways, or at least gave me little bits of memories that um, were good. So I don't talk to my father, I don't have a relationship with my father, but there were, when we were younger, he was around, and I was in an odd position as well, actually, because uh, my parents were together as I grew up. Uh, my cousins and friends and such, they saw their dad once in the blue moon, if not at all, it had fallen mm. apart. Mm. And so my household, um, um, yeah, my household did have two parent figures, but also there was a lot of uh, darkness, uh, I would say, in that home in terms of back then. We weren't talking about mental health or depression or any of those things. So when I look back, some of the behaviours and reactions and, and some of those things, uh, I'm like, oh, you were like mad depressed. You actually needed like help and like in the black community, I think it's it's a relatively new thing that we talk about these things to be like, I'm gonna go to my therapist or I'm doing self-care or I'm doing this or I'm doing that. Like it is a new thing, but growing up that wasn't a thing. But back to the barbershop, I think going with my dad as like a routine thing or my mom taking us as well. Yeah, it felt it it felt it probably felt like one of the only kind of routines I kind of had real in my life like when you grow up poor and around and almost don't have many or many of things it's like routine is not a real thing there is no routine meal it's like what have we got in the fridge today what we've we got in the cupboard everything's on the fly everything's on the go yeah when you're growing up in those circumstances I think like you don't even realize how much routine you do or don't have when you're looking back and as you build your life for what you want it to be now, the the barriers, the routines, the how do I do this? How do I tackle that? You look back, I guess, as you always do to be like, when did I realise what this is? When did I realise what this isn't? When you're figuring out where it might have, um, it sounds really harsh, but where, where it might have gone wrong. Mm. And when did you have routines? And when did you begin to put up? barriers good barriers not bad barriers that keep everyone out but the barriers that actually protect you in a positive way uh the barbershop is one of them because one of the routines was like right your head top's getting a bit long we have to go and cut it now um let's go and we'd go to one particular barber mm. and we'd have to wait and I think it's also one of the things that has always well that taught me to like open up my mouth and ask for exactly what I wanted so my dad felt no way to be like, no, we're waiting for him. No, mm -hmm. we're waiting mm -hmm. for him. Um, and even that now till this day, the way that I communicate that and I'm replicating that energy and that's mm. from the barbershop, if that makes sense at all. No, it makes a lot of sense. It's something I still struggle with sometimes. Like I said, you know, sometimes I find myself in a position, you know, much like you, I've got locks now. But when I was getting, you know, when I was, either when I was, you know, getting my hair trimmed low or when I had my fro and I was getting it shaped. Um, it would always be that thing where I would go and sit, like, go and sit in the barbershop and obviously they expect you to go with anyone. I'm like, nah, I'm not going with anyone. I'm going with that guy. I remember one of the last times before I started growing, nah, what was it? Did I have my locks? I think, yeah, I was just going for a, 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 like a fade. 
um, for my locks. And um, like the barber got angry like when I said, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for him. The, the other barber was like, what you, I was like, yeah. He's like, come and sit down. I was like, nah, I've never seen you trim. So I'm really sorry, but I, I, I'm gonna wait for this guy. And the guy got offended and then, and then like he got angry and then like there was a couple of mums with their sons and a couple of guys there and they were like, nah, do you know what? Fair play to, for you saying it to him. Like you don't often hear people say that, you just see them crying in their chair. Um, but you know, reflective of what you went through, you know, routine was definitely a bit, and they're, they're you know, again, much like you, unfortunately, it's a, it's a, it's a trope, but as well as well as a reality, you know, I didn't grow up with my old man either. And you, it's one of those consistent, your barber from when you're young is one of those consistent male figures, right? And this is, it's weird because when retrospectively, when I think about all the conversations I've had in like in therapy and all that kind of stuff, you start to see the patterns of like comfort and nurturing and like in, in the intimacy of another man holding your head, hopefully delicately, but holding your head, giving you a trim, making you look aesthetically pleasing. There's an intimacy to that, that I don't think a lot of men at all, irrespective of, race let alone black men think about that intimacy you know we we know we've got important relationships with our barbers but very intimate relationships and they those intimate relationships start off from young why did you start to grow your hair one of my exes my ex-girlfriend won't name her she we were like we were in a long distance relationship she lived in berlin she's german we met uh tinder ting like 21st century vibes Anyway, long story short, she was like, you should grow locks. And it was a bit of a weird one because it was almost like, I was like, she was quite obsessive about it. And you start to think, you know, as a black man dating a white woman, and when she's quite adamant about the type of black she wants you to look, you're a bit like, okay. But you know, I'd had my, I'd had my like, 60s, 70s fro with a side part in shaved in for about four or five years. I don't know if you said, I'll send you, I'll send you a picture later. Like that was my vibe. I was like, this is, I was like from 24, I was like, this is me till, till death do, do me part. Like this is my trim. Anyway, so she then was like, do you know what? Like and at this point when she wanted me to have locks, she was like, <laughs> this was during Black Panther, like that when Black Panther was coming out, Michael B. Jordan, who obviously looks sick, like my guy looks sick. He had his like, you know, very much with the style I've got now. You know, it's is the it's the the style I've got now for if this isn't gonna be visual, is the Michael B. Jordan like high top fade, but with locks instead of a fro. And listen, I'm I'm if I may say so myself, I'm rocking it, but it took a bit of time to get there. Now my white German girlfriend decided that she was going to become a loctician. And she was like, I am going to make, I'm going to start your locks off for you with faux locks. Rob, have you seen the film Get Out? <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't want to go too deep into this one. But there's a reason why she's my ex. And... It's an interesting one because my locks are a legacy of this very weird get out situation. And yeah, it's, 
that's that's how the that's how the journey started. That's how my lock journey started was was with, with my my Bavarian girlfriend making making me faux locks. <laughs> my so that was life. I mean, it's all mine now, you know, slowly but surely I just, I, I went, listen, let me, let me go with it. And I, and I don't know, you know, even today I was thinking, do I, is it me? I don't know. You know, like the most important thing is that it, it, it your hair, your, our hair and our relationship with our hair is such a um, self-identifier, right? And it's, we've got, it's reflective of our personality, the way we see ourselves or, you know and but then on the other side if we're going to get into therapy terms it's you know potentially a way for us to mask and a way for us to um project an identity and uh, like yeah i don't know i still don't know if this hair is me or not do you know what i'm saying and it's wow. a weird one to like look in the mirror every day and go like i'm styling it and i and i and i think i look good but is it me whereas when i had my fro I was comfortable with that. I was like, I've chosen this. This is my style. I'm never going to change it. And people are like, oh, you look sick with this trim. You look sick with this trim. You look sick with this trim. Why don't you grow? Like people had said, you know, you should grow locks. You should do this. You should do this, blah, blah, blah. And I've always, I've loved playing with my hair. Like I had like primary school days. I mean, with Valentine's party, spray painted my hair silver. Then secondary school, I had orange hair. I always did patterns. You know, all, all mad stuff like football days for anyone who's into football. When Didier Drogba had his like relaxed hair with, you know, a headband, I was doing all them things. Had a high top, like a proper high top fade for a long time into my early 20s and in my in my uni days. So I've had all sorts of trims and stuff. And then I settled on the fro. And yeah, like, again, anytime I've sort of gone on that journey of what my hair is going to be, I, I go, yeah, do you know what? I don't want that anymore. I'm going to move to this. I don't want that. But yeah, my my latest um, hairstyle isn't one that I, isn't one that I chose. It was bestowed, it was bestowed upon me. Yeah, it's where do you talk about, I think there's two parts to my hair journey. I think uh, one was, we haven't always had our languages or the language of the things that we talk about now, self-care. Uh, mm intersectionality all of those words and what they mean and 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 how to express it and i think as you grow and you develop mm -hmm. uh certain things that were said in barbershops um like i i don't have to be here i don't have to i'm not responsible for any of you grown ass men and like your bills and stuff and trying to support this that or the other especially if you're just going to be disrespectful uh, to the multitude of communities that I am a part of, but also care about. So I stopped, I just stopped going to the barbers and then I just, I was like, I, I don't even care for a fade. Like, what is this thing of a fade? Like, I can just have a one all over. Do you know what I mean? Like all of the, you just start to like, why do you do that? Why are you doing this? Why do you mm. need this? Why do you need that? So I just used to just cut my hair, cut my hair, but I used to cut it religiously because it was this thing of um, if you've got like a perfect shape up and it's one level and everything's tidy, I'm doing the finger thing, mm. um, then that's acceptable. And like, you're a safe black, you're a safe Negro to be around, basically. Yeah. And I was like, yo, that's, 
that's some, you know, you just, I'm like, why am I, what is this? And also, mm. how long does my hair grow? Mm. Like, what is my hair? Like, what is it? Mm-hmm. So I just started growing it. It's not the first time because, like, I had like it long before where it was like um, cane rows. Um, but that was just like as soon as it couldn't be out, you couldn't walk around with it out, not at all. It just had to go straight into cane rows. And like, mm-hmm. and oddly enough, the more of a like geometric kind of design, uh, the more gangster you was. Although, like, let's be real, the designs were pretty as hell. And like, <laughs> Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like, what? Dichotomy of it all, isn't it? You look at like, oh, there's so many levels to it. You look at it, you're like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm like, wait, you, your, this brother in year eleven is tonk, yeah. I'm not even gonna use old school verbiage. This, this, yeah. this, this brother is tonk. Like, and you're like, and you're in year, you're in year seven or eight or eight or nine, and you're like, ah, oh, this brother is, ah, oh, he's gonna take, but he's gonna take the ball, he's gonna take the ball, or he's gonna take my packet of crisps. But why has he got such pretty cornrows, though? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just like what? My, so my cousin, right? Uh, who's on my dad's side? Mm-hmm. Um, she. We were talking about the family, as you do with your cousin, and you're just cussing everybody in the family. I think we all do it like this one that one this one that one just gossiping talking to each other like we ain't messed up too like we're just looking down on and uh we were talking about my grandmother on uh my dad's mom and she was like we're talking about a certain thing and then I was like oh I was like she just needs to stop dyeing her hair and I was like no, my cousin was like, she doesn't dye her hair, it's just ginger. So like, she's got ginger hair. Really, she doesn't dye it. She was like, yeah. Now, don't get me wrong, like, I, I know a couple of, like, black people with full-on ginger hair, not dyed, like, so I was like, oh, I didn't realise it. She was like, yeah, yes, yeah, because her, her, her mum was Scottish. Pardon? <laughs> like, just like, just, she just said it matter-of-factly. I was like, what do you mean Scottish? She was like, yeah, Scottish. She was a white Scottish lady. Pardon? Yeah, yeah. And she, and she was like, yeah, like, grandma's mixed race, you know this. No, no, no one's ever spoken to me about this. What are you talking about? So she's obviously busting up. She was like, grandma's, like, mixed race. Her mum was, like, a full-on ginger Scottish so uh, funny. woman. And I was like, wow. She was like, yeah, yeah, they, like, her mum came over indentment, which is, some people try to compare it to, like, slavery but it's it's not like yeah. slavery whatsoever um nah. indentured servitude yeah yeah mm. she came up to do that in jamaica and then she met my i guess my great grandfather and mm. then they had my um my grandmother now so what's really interesting there's two parts to this what's interesting is uh i had to find the right lady to do my hair um and it's heartbreaking because the lady that I really loved doing my hair left a particular salon. So then I had to find a new salon because I was like, well, she's not there. That's the only reason I was going there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But when I finally got to this lady, she would, she taught me so many things about my hair. Why we, why I prefer the term locks as over dreadlocks and, and, and the history of those words. And also, um, she taught me that, you know, you have, you've got different types of hair in your head. Mm. And she, I was like, what do you mean? She was like, the back part hair is 4C, this bit is this, this bit is that. Like, you've got different textures. So when I'm twisting, I have to do it in certain ways and certain parts. And I was like, oh, I didn't realise that. She was like, you sure you don't have anything in you? You're not mixed race, are you? I was like, no. Like, my grandparents are black. My parents are black. Rare tear yeah. tear. Come and see. The other part of this is I obviously then did that thing of calling my mum, like, Hey, yo, did you know that grandma da 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 is this, that, 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 that? And she was like, no, your dad never told me that. It makes so much more sense now. La, 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 la. And especially the way that your hair grows and this, that, that, that. And the third, she was like, I just thought it was from, like, grandma, grandma, as in her mum. And I was like, why? And she was like, oh, because your, your grandma's half Indian. <laughs> and it was like, I can't believe you didn't say anything. I was like, him like this is the first time you've ever mentioned that grandma is like half indian what are you talking about mad that's so funny how does that how does that slip the conversations it just does it's just that thing isn't it where it's just like we we talk about all the things that don't need talking about mm -hmm. and all the things that should be real conversations it's, it's just funny. never it mentioned it's true because even yeah even like like which yeah always mum will be talking to me and be like auntie so-and-so who's married to uncle so-and-so who's the brother of so-and-so and you're like okay yeah yeah like oh yeah they're 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 like a quarter japanese and you're like sorry what <laughs> how how are they what, what how did i not know this like why am i only finding this out at 30 do you know what i mean it's like yeah yeah yeah, like the uncle went to Japan and he, he went there to study and then, and then he met a Japanese woman and then, yeah, 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 that was in 1942. Like, what? Which, why, why was Man going to Japan in 1942? Yeah, <laughs> that is a whole story there. Uh, but, you know, it's yeah, like, it's, that it's, explains it's, your hair. That explains it. That, you know, the, do you know what? The textured bit is fascinating. That yeah. Your hair actually reflects your lineage in its different...